be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, wherever you enter a house and stay there until you leave, whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet and testimony against them. So they went on and preached repentance. The 12 drove out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm delighted to be with you this morning and a whole sense of nostalgia for time here at St. Dominic's. I started my ministry here as a student brother in 1964 and the highlight of that was of course 1987 when our provincial pulled me out of being pastor in Mexicali, Mexico to come here and raised $8 million to save St. Dominic's Church as the doors were about to close. And how do you save this beautiful church, the most beautiful church west of the Mississippi? Well, Alan Temko, the architect, editor for the San Francisco Chronicle said, look to your Catholic heritage. Shark, Notre Dame, flying buttresses. We raised $8 million, the flying buttresses are here, and here we are in St. Dominic's Church. A sense of nostalgia for me to be with you and gratitude for all that you've done in my life for us and for this church. And looking back, I, I have, as soon as after we, we, the church was finished and consec consecrated, then I went back later to Mexicali, and of course I've had my ministry, a double ministry, uh, for almost 20 years now, the mission office on Pine Street here, 
coordinating all the foreign missions of our Western Dominican province, and then preaching mission appeals throughout Western United States to support the missions, and then ministering back in Mexicali with my ministry there. And I, one of my most dramatic times that I always go to all the dioceses asking for mission appeals, and every now and then I get our own St. Dominic's in San Francisco to the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And I had a real emergency a few years, maybe six, seven years back, our Master General called, said, for the mission office, an emergency appeal. And it was at that moment then, the ISIS invasion of Iraq. And we Dominican friars and sisters arrived in what today is the country of Iraq in the year 1300. And our main concentration was around the city of Mosul, the city of Nineveh, the ancient city of Nineveh in the Bible, and the plain of Nineveh. And as the ISIS terrorists swept across them, all those villages where the people, the last places on earth where the people still speak the Aramaic language that Je Jesus spoke, massacres, our chapels destroyed, our sisters' dispensaries and schools destroyed. And to think a 2,000-year history, going back to when, according to the tradition of the Chaldean Catholics there, going back to apostolic times that St. Jude Thaddeus, our St. Jude, brought the faith to Iraq, 2,000 years of the Mass being celebrated in the Aramaic language. So in those years up until the ISIS invasion, when our Dominican priest was celebrating Mass in those villages at the consecration. It was the very words of Jesus at the Last Supper, as he celebrated the Last Supper in the Aramaic language. And then the invasion, the massacres, the destruction, and coming into the city of Mosul, the ancient city of Nineveh then, 70,000 people, Christians, trying to escape. The sisters saw some young boys being crucified because they did not deny the faith. There were some Muslims trying to protect us, but it was impossible. And as the people then, 70,000 fleeing to try and camp out in Kurdistan, over 1,000 Christian girls taken to be sex slaves by ISIS. And now we're trying to bring those people back to those villages. And it's very difficult. Everything's destroyed. There's nothing, even the wells polluted. So at that time, though, when the Master General called, I was given St. Dominic's as a mission appeal. And I remember talking here, giving a mission talk, and you contributed that weekend $24,000, the biggest mission appeal I ever, ever received in my 20 years of preaching mission appeals all through Western United States. And now, I'm back, but I think that this is my last mission appeal because in your bulletin, wow, Father Hurley practically gave me a canonization in this thing. <laughs> but it says it's due to Father Martin's enthusiastic guidance and unstoppable energy. Well, when I turned 73, that unstoppable energy, energy just stopped. In fact, I'm here a quick visit to preach here with you, 
and go through tests at St. Mary's Hospital to see what's wrong, because I have no energy anymore. So I will meet with the provincial on Tuesday, and this is my last mission appeal, and he will decide my future. So that gives me, I ask your patience, because that gives me more of a sense of nostalgia. And in the gospel proclaimed by our deacon, then we hear how Jesus sent those apostles out to preach the gospel, to heal people, drive out demons. And my nostalgia reminds me of all those Dominican priests and brothers who went forth from this church to preach the gospel in foreign missions, foreign places. And the first one was our beloved Father Hofstie. He served here at St. Dominic's, but when I was a little boy in the late 30s and 40s, he was in our parish at St. Vincent's in Vallejo. He was a hero for me, and I'm sure somehow my vocation came through knowing him. He becomes, a wor uh, in World War II, a military chaplain. He arrives in the for the liberation of the Philippines. The war is over. He may be coming back here to St. Dominic's, and he comes across the Central Luzon Leprosarium. The lepers are being rounded up by the soldiers. When I was there before he died, there were a thousand lepers. They were just tossed behind a barbed wire fence. All that rotting away of the flesh, the stench, the disfigurement. When I was with him, it was still a very, very difficult situation. And through the years, we've supported that, the Tala leper colony, until now, leprosy can be controlled, so it's a mission accomplished because the lepers stay in their communities. But back when they were still coming, Father, Father Vincent Kelber, I hear prior here, while he was studying in Manila, I was there with him then, and he was teaching in the leper college, because who's gonna, who's gonna teach in a leper colony? So Father Hofstede had to start his own college. Uh, so Father Vincent Kelber, your prior then, wow, it was a great scene on graduation day to see how much the leper students loved him. And then 1963, in this church, a ceremony to send out our missionaries for our new mission in Chiapas, in Ocasingo, Chiapas. We built the church in the 1600s. We abandoned it 200 years before. It was abandoned among the Celtal Indians. Father Joseph Asturias, who came back, when he came back, was here with you, and he had the mission office across the street. I was his successor, and then ministering here at St. Dominic's until his death, and I was with him when he died in the Priory, just well, there one day before. And Father Vincent Forster was born in Petaluma, but ministered here, and Brother Raymond Berthaud, San Francisco boy from the Bayview District, they went forth to serve the most, the most oppressed and poor peoples of the whole Mexican Republic, the Celtal Indians of Ocasingo, and today we still support the hospital and we support the mission, and then we also help out in San Cristobal up in the mountains for the Sutsidil people. And I remember a, year, a, few, a number of years back, Father Michael Hurley, your pastor, was in Chiapas with me. It was one year after the big massacres up in the Sotzil Mountains, on the Sotzil people in Tres Cruces village. And 
we had to have a clandestine village for the anniversary, one year anniversary of the massacres up there. The soldiers wouldn't let us in, the paramilitaries wouldn't let her in. Father Michael and I making a clandestine visit, sneaking around the soldiers and the paramedics, paramilitaries to get up there. We got to the village, the church had been destroyed, and I always remember the sight of Maria, the oldest woman in the village, the matriarch. This is a one-year anniversary when her husband was massacred, one son was massacred, and the other son was in jail being accused of massacring his own people. And I remember the mass being so dramatic because Maria was there with a great pot of incense according to their customs and of course at the consecration, the incense going up in this great pot and Father Michael and I there. And then Father Michael accompanied me over to Ocasingo with the Celtal people and we were up in Alta Murano where we maintain this incredibly beautiful hospital. We don't run it anymore, but our mission office supports it. It's by the, run now by the Daughters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul. We're in Alta Murano and a number, well, the Celtal people are very short people, very small in stature. And Father Michael and I were in the church and a group of elders had come in from the mountains and they were seated outside on a bench in the church. And Mike, Father Michael walked out of the church. <laughs> they never knew there was a human being that big with a red beard and flaming white hair in those days. And it went through the village that this friar is a bikingo. I thought, what's a bikingo? I had to go to my dictionary, and a bikingo is a biking. So your pastor was the first biking to ever come to the jungles of Chiapas. And then I think also of Father Timothy Conlon, who's here with you, just arrived, I arrived from Excali the other day, and he arrived from Guatemala, but he was your vicar here for, for many years, and then, well, just about 20 years, more than 20 years ago, he went off to work with the Achi people in Guatemala. He will be here probably selling the artifacts to support the mission there. But, oh, wow, he's my age, and I'm 83, and he must be 81 or 82, but wow, there's a group, there was a big massacres in the, in the valley of Rio Negro, and the people, the Achi the, the Indians fled way up in the mountains in hidden communities up there, and he sets out like, and he'll walk for two weeks going through this backpack with the mass kit, and if he comes across a, 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 a waterfall, that's his bath and whatever anybody feeds him, and he just goes on and on and on and on. His, his energy is not stoppable. And then our brother Daniel Thomas, who helped so much here with the restoration project, and then went off to the missions in Kenya, and we wondered why did he come back? He was doing so well. And then we realized advancing Alzheimer's. And you were all so patient with him. He tried to work in the sacristy, he just wasn't getting things correctly, but you were so patient with him until he died. And then our newest, newest Dominican mission, Father Stephen Maikawa, the prior here, until just a couple of years ago, he's sent to Anchorage, Alaska, 
be the rector of the cathedral because we are in charge of the cathedral. And I got a year and a half, a big appeal from him. The Jesuits who used to serve all those, uh, wonderful, wonderful missionaries, serve all those Eskimo or Inuit villages way, way up, all up the, the way, the highest parts of Alaska. And the Jesuits aren't there anymore. And there's desire to have their servicing, but they needed to pay a salary for another priest. The archdiocese wasn't covering. And so now they have accepted everything. His love, love now is going up the barrel. Barrel, you know, get a map. Barrel's at the top of the world, way, way above the Arctic Circle. And Nome a little bit further down, but at the top of the Arctic Circle. And then all the way down, all through that part, all the way, all the way, the way down south to Lucian Islands, to Dutch Harbor. And that's the only Catholic church and the thousand mile, over a thousand mile stretch of Lucian's going out towards Russia, the only Catholic church. And now we serve that too. So a new mission that we have. So I ask you to remember our Dominican missions. I'm a bit emotional coming back here with nostalgia. My last mission appeal with you. And I'd ask you to remember generosity but also, bear with me another second, my own Mexicali mission. And there I minister in our large, large parish, and it's in the poorest parts of Mexicali, and my area I especially work in is out in the desert, a windswept community of Villa Zapata. Now, two weeks ago for the whole week, our usual temperature in the summer we had, it was 124 degrees. Now, Via Zapata got electricity for the first time about five years ago. There are still homes without electricity. And if you can imagine newborn babies and the elderly in 124 degree with no electricity, no, refri no refrigeration or anything. And then also, I do minister with the migrants. The New York Times, no, the Washington Post called Mexicali the dumping ground for deportations from the United States. And I work a little bit uh, with the Alberta de Desierto with the migrant mothers and children. And I wish you could be with me at times with the mothers separated from their children. You know, there was that whole time when the United States was separating the parents from their babies, their children, and it stopped. But those children are still in detention. I, I mean, I, I wish you could have been with me to take a mother to the bus station, buy her a ticket back, bus ticket back to her village of Mishwakan as she's weeping and saying, I will never, never see my babies again. And she never, never will see her babies again. There's no way of ever uniting her. Her children are still in detention up here in the United States. So as my last mission appeal, I ask for you, your cooperation, the second collection, because I'm worried about all of our missions. And well, if you did forget your checkbook, I'm sure if you come back next Sunday, Father Michael will make sure it gets to us. So I thank you on the bottom of my heart for your gratitude for my time with this parish and for all of your loving support of our missions. But I do remember and ask you to remember us in the second collection today.